On Sex Positive Me, we explore all aspects of sex and relationships, ranging from fetishes and BDSM to ethical non-monogamy and LGBTQ issues. Sex Positive Me destigmatizes sexual practices and relationships while reconciling reality with myth and misconceptions. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and be advocates of sexual freedom. And now here's your hosts, Angelique and John Luna. Alrighty, welcome to the beginning of March. We made it two months. How how surviving we is that? We made it a year. I'm still focusing on 2021. <laughs> I'm trying to block out 2020 at the moment. You were hoping for that new year, everything's going to reset thing, and that reset. I screamed Jamanji at midnight, and nothing happened. <laughs> I was next to you. It scared me. <laughs> So this is your hostess with the mostest, Angelique, with John C. Luna next to me, trying to control me as best as possible. You didn't go through the list of titles. No, I'm bored. You're bored? I'm lately, bored. <laughs> lately, I've been web designer, uh, uh, content guy. editor, and puppy model. So <laughs> no. I'm jumping, jumping around these days. Yes, so. I know. Well, it's just like this week also we had PodFest presentation. We launched our first live radio show on BFAM 109.6. Next week we're taking callers, talking about swinging, all our little expertise. So yeah, it's jam-packed. So let's get back to the fun stuff that we normally do. Well, yeah. we have a, oh, I've been waiting for this guest for a while. Oh, yes, many years. She has a lot a lot of uh, little titles here, <laughs> certified tech, uh, sexologist, tantra practitioner, uh, international pleasure coach. I like that one, but uh, has a, uh, your website I get lost on at Glamorotic 101 <laughs> because normally it's like one or two things I'm interested in. I'm like, I gotta read this one. I gotta read this one. I gotta read this one. And now I have like 30 tabs open. Taomi, welcome. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I love you guys. I follow you. I've been following you for years oh. on Instagram. And so I know I love the content that you put out, especially whatever around. stays on there. <laughs> you know, oh gosh, that's a whole like soapbox uh, topic right there is just the censorship that we're experiencing and have been experiencing because this is not new. Like, We've been in this for a while. So we've been through the ringer when it comes to our content being censored, taken down, and just, oh, it's crazy. But, you know, I'm glad that we're still here to be able to, like, have this conversation. This is awesome. But but I did, I did, um, we did a presentation this week on censorship. And oh. it was one little fact that made me smile so much. <laughs> and that is, it was, uh, what is it, Section 230 that's been used to, um, basically, uh, and, and of course, SESTA and FOSTA that has been used to censor us all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, when they censored the previous president, they quoted the same laws. Yes, they used mm. the exact same laws that they came, we're, they're we're coming to We're trying to us. remove harmful material. And I'm like, ha, bite you in the ass. <laughs> yep, yep. Like, this is your law and it came back. I mean, you know. I don't, I don't want to say what goes around, comes around, but. Oh, we know that. We believe in karma. <laughs> that's Our, definitely what happened here. Exactly. So tell us more about you because you have so much going on there that, you know, I know your cowgirl, you know, exercises yeah. are like phenomenal. Like they're everywhere. I've caught them on like, you know, Inside Edition, all the, the gossip sites. I'm like, oh, okay. So the film <laughs> crowd is coming over to the dark side. I'll do CrossFit, but I definitely like watching yours much better. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, well, no, he's actually sore afterwards. His inner thighs does hurt. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, if you're watching and you're participating, you're going to feel the burn. You know, mm -hmm. I literally wake up uh, Tuesday through Saturday and I work out with my clients. So actually like the cowgirl tribe was birthed out of the quarantine because I was literally on my way to Nairobi, Kenya with to host a sold out show of like 70 women who signed up for the class through uh, my friend's podcast out there in Kenya, um, the spread podcast. And then when we got shut down, for like a few days, I felt depressed. I was like, oh man, this is crazy. But I was like, okay, I have this tour that literally is halfway sold out already. What am I going to do to number one, like still show up and two, be able to keep these funds like flowing through. And so I was like, you know what? I've done this online before. Let me just, you know, put it online, but not just do my 
tour dates, let me turn this into a regular support program because there are no gyms, everybody's locked indoors. And it literally turned into like a five day a week meetup in the morning times, just working out. And so it's the only workout that I do to stay in shape. And I've been maintaining my ideal weight over the last year. So while a lot of people have been, you know, putting on a, the pandemic pounds, which is understandable. I mean, you're indoors and you're eating and not really moving. I've been able to like stay indoors, eat, but still like maintain my weight, which is really important for me being a woman living with a polycystic ovarian syndrome. Like the, it's not easy to drop weight um, when you have like these hormonal imbalances and everything. So uh, the cowgirl workout was birthed out of people's like curiosity and like their necessity to want to ride dick better. And I was just getting letters from all over the world through YouTube. I made like two videos and so many Volvo owners were like, Tayomi, thank you so much. I got it. It's changing my life. And then so many others were just like, yep, uh, sis, I still don't know what I'm doing. So can you help me out? And <laughs> it turned into a tour. A friend of mine here in Chicago at the, um, at the Meow University, Kat, um, she, she hosts webinars and uh, events for adults in sex education. And she was like, I'm going to book you for a class. And I was like, I've never taught this outside of the internet. So, okay, cool, let's do it. And we sold out two shows in like two weeks and it turned into a worldwide tour in 2016. And I've just been teaching it ever since. And I'm not gonna lie, a few times I've tried to like turn away from the cowgirl workout, but the demand has been so high and it continues to be high. And I'm like, okay, you know what? There's something here. And so it's more than just like learning how to ride dick. Like I literally teach vulva owners how to reclaim their power through movement and how to connect with their bodies through movement and just the amazing testimonials that I receive. It's like certain things that I didn't think it would affect. Like for instance, one of my clients, she said that showing up to this workout and dedicating herself to it has not only helped her become a better lover, but a better, a better mother. And that she um, is able to communicate with her daughter a lot easier about sex and just showing up and being more sex positive, but also because she has, a, um, she's happier and her mood is better because she feels better about herself. She's able to hold more space for her daughter. And that to me, I was like, whoa, look at the effects that just showing up for yourself and becoming empowered sexually. Look at the effects of how it ripples throughout other parts of your life. So yeah, cowgirl workout is amazing. I love it. Um, if anybody wants to join, it's members.thecowgirlworkout.com. And if you put it in Google, the cowgirl workout, it's the second listing that pops up after our feature in Cosmopolitan uh, US on cosmopolitan.com. But yeah, I feel like I got to backtrack a little bit though, because the cowgirl workout is like something that I created, I would say in the middle of my career, my career in sex education started when I was 22 years old. And um, before my life as a sexologist, I was a model and also a freelance writer, writing for the, the music industry, doing different album reviews and some like PR work for artists who wanted to get their name out there. So this was back when MySpace was still like the thing and the music source. And so I was using MySpace to get the word out about different artists. And um, things kind of took a turn in my modeling career after I did America's Next Top Model. I thought that that was gonna be like my claim to fame. And I got like a little 15 minutes of like a boost um, in my image, but just my, my idea about what I wanted to do with my life changed. And my dad just kind of cornered me one day in the house and was like, hey, listen, um, I know you love being a model, but you're such an amazing writer, you need to use your writing for something. And I promise you, you'll get everything you ever wanted in this life by using that gift. And so blogging was like the thing at the time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so what can I write about every day that I won't get tired of? And it's gonna bring some substance to this world. And I was like, oh, well, sex, okay. Um, so I started doing research. And back in like 2009, 2010, there weren't as many sex births as there are now. Like- Nope. Nothing. Nothing. You you guys know, like, there were sex therapists, right? And there were sex researchers and the academics and like those people. But individuals who were able to like connect with the everyday person didn't see them and definitely didn't see a lot of Black people, especially Black women, 
brown women that looked like me, that also spoke like me, that could speak to me. And I did a lot of research. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to be a part of the solution. I'm going to step up and start doing this work. And so I came up with my blog name, Glamorotica 101, um, because my nickname is Glam, short for Glamazon. And um, erotica is just a really deep part of my life, 101, because I'm like, hey, here's the basics. And I also started my YouTube channel because I didn't see anybody that was teaching about like the mechanics of sex, like the how-tos on YouTube. And this was before YouTube got all like, you know, censorship heavy, just like the rest of social media. But anyway, in the times when it was fun. And so I launched my blog in 2011. It was Labor Day, 2011. And uh, I was really surprised at how quickly it took off. At first I was gonna remain anonymous and not put my face on anything. And my mentor at the time was like, no, you have a very powerful image. So put a picture of yourself on your blog. And I did. And I think what drew a lot of people in, they were just like, wait, this girl in the banner, that's you and you're writing all this stuff. How do you know all this stuff? Okay, you know what? Come into my radio show. And so I literally two weeks after launching, I started having radio shows in podcast interviews and I was just like whoa and it just took off and I've had like so many viral videos I've been featured in all kinds of articles um, I was on Tosh.0 at one point uh, doing some throws <laughs> to commercial with my little sex position segments which they wrote but I just acted it out um, it's been a very amazing ride in this and even though I've been in it for going on 10 years now it'll be 10 years this year 2021 it feels like it's just the beginning because people are still finding me and discovering my old work for the first time. And I'm just like, <sighs> it feels good. Cause I, I started this knowing that I would always have a career and I've been growing and shifting and changing. Like all the titles that I have behind my name are like things that I've learned over the last 10 years or certifications that I've received. And it's just been a beautiful journey. Like I, I love what I do, honestly. You know, I kind of miss those those Wild West days of <laughs> MySpace and the beginning of Facebook. And yes. where, where it, it, it was our internet. Oh, we blogger, could do whatever and, uh, we want. Tumblr, you know. Tons. I miss Tumblr so much. Like, yeah. it hurt my soul when they shut it down because that was like a little secret place that I didn't really advertise that much. But it was like, if you know, you know. Yep. And I felt like I could be myself there. And then like my Tumblr page is still up, but I don't use it because I'm like, what's the point when they're just going to hide all of my content from the public, you know? So you're right. It was our internet back then. And, and we could do practically anything and it was great. And then it just, it just started turning on us, treating us as if we're the enemy, like, like all the fucking violent videos and, and sexual assault videos and animal abuse videos that we see on Facebook are any better <laughs> than us advocating for sex positivity. Like I just, I get so frustrated thinking about it. And then it's like, in real time, we literally have to figure out how do we get through the hoops? How do we jump through the censorship to still be seen? You know, so I hate it. <laughs> it went from one challenge to another. Yes, it did. So we're, we're fighting the censorship now and I'm sure There'll be another wild, wild west coming up somewhere. I don't know where, but we're waiting for it. I know. It's, you know, as long as like there's TikTok and viral videos and they'll come up with something and redo FOSTA and SESTA. And it, it's just that, that's like one, one of my biggest pet peeves is FOSTA and SESTA, because when that law came out, they shut down our email address. I'm like, I have no nudity whatsoever. I just have the name sex in my title. Yeah. And I was actually in the middle of working with a local media to do like a story about talking to your kids about sex. And they shut down my email during all those conversations. I was like, I was mortified because that made me look so unprofessional. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This law just caught got in and shut us down. We're educators. And then by some miracle, I actually found a Facebook executive and I told them the situation and what was going on. And they're like, oh, you're all hookers. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a difference between an educator, a therapist, a medical professional that that's involved with sexual wellness. Oh no, that's all hookers. Yeah, an executive. It's, 
It's, it's really frustrating because um, everyone has a sexual charge. Everyone is filled with sexual energy. We got here through sexual energy and sex sells practically everything on the face of this earth. Yet when it comes to uh, raising people's vibration and awareness around how to flex their sexuality, now we're a threat and now it's a problem. And um, I don't like that, number one, sex work in whatever form is being attacked. But then also, two, it's like in our industry, because those laws attack like sex work specifically in the way where uh, someone is exchanging sexual acts for money, it almost creates like this hierarchy within our industry where educators and researchers and people who don't do like full service sex work are trying so hard to like separate themselves from sex workers on that end of the spectrum being like, oh no, we're not the bad ones, we're the good ones. But it's like, as you can see, we're all looped in. So it doesn't matter what type of sex work you do because the vanilla folk, the civilians who are not a part of our industry, don't see the difference. They're like, if you're a sex positive person, if you're a person speaking about sex, then you're a part of the problem. And then what they do is they place, oh, but it's the children. For the children. <laughs> well, the children I'm, know a lot more than what the parents want to believe. Always. Well, the access that children have, period. I mean, you literally sit children in front of a cell phone or a tablet these days. It's not the TV anymore. No. Now they have child-friendly tablets that you can buy for like 99 bucks. You know, kids have them by age two as a Christmas gift and they know how to navigate this stuff. Like I remember my goddaughter, I told my, my best friend, I said, you need to, she has a phone now. I was like, you need to make sure that you know what she's doing because I know she's on TikTok. You're saying she's not on TikTok, but the only way she knows about these songs and these dances is because she's on TikTok and she's telling you she's not, she's on TikTok. And she's like seven years old, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, we are the ones that are here trying to make sure that children and the next generations up are making safe and sound decisions when it comes to their sexual health and their sexuality by just allowing them the freedom to just go and search the internet and, and like discover things on their own, it's quite dangerous. I mean, it's still the wild west in the, on the internet, you know, where you might go down the wrong rabbit hole and you see some things that no one can explain to you. And so you may feel attracted to it, but you don't know how to safely navigate it. And so it just frustrates me when they place the safety of children um, as like the campaign for why they're doing all this censorship when it's not that at all, they're just trying to police us because they have their own fucking insecurities around sex. And also they feel like they can't tax us or they can't make money off of us. So it's like, man, let's just censor them because we can't stop it. It's like, you don't get the fuck out of here. I'm just so tired yeah. of it. <laughs> On a big level, it's about control and money. Yeah. That's it. And That's it. If, if we could convince all of America just to realize that sex is so much more than biology. It's so much more than you put the innie and the outie and it comes together. It's, it's confidence, it's drive, it's uh, healthy relationships. It is so much more, but they boil it down to one, to one little act, act, act and say, yep, that's it. That's it. Penis insertion there. Because I even tell people in our classes, like, look, in high school, if they told you to know the human anatomy, you know all your parts, you, and they tell you, if you know all this, you'll have the best sex in your life. How many of us would pay attention in class, in biology class? Most of us probably would. Yeah, exactly. Anatomy, because... Ever since we started being in the kink community, doing roping, I've learned more about anatomy and loving it than I did in high school because I made sure I was best friends with the smartest kid in class. I don't care how <laughs> many people are like, why are you friends with? I'm like, he's giving me, helping me pass the class, okay? Exactly. If I get like a C or a D and I'm passing, that's all I care about. I don't care about his friendship or anything. Just get me out of this class. You're smart for that, for doing that. Like, uh -huh. Now you see why I'm the tech guy. <laughs> I'm the pretty one. <laughs> <laughs> Great balance. Awesome yeah. balance. <laughs> it is. But you did mention about vibration. So I'm kind of like thinking, that, is that leading towards the sacred sexuality? That I mean, yes. And also, you know, 
sexual energy is energy and energy vibrates, you know what I mean? And there's different levels of vibration when it comes to sex. Like we have that, that basic primal level, the animalistic level, which, you know, some would say that is like dealing in the lower realms of your, your sexual vibration. And then when you move into sacred sexuality, it's coming into the higher chakras, you know, bringing it up to the heart and bringing it up to the mind as well. And it's dealing more deeply in the spirit and how your spirit connects with the sexual energy of other people and also how it connects to your divinity, how it connects to your ability to heal yourself and assist in the healing of others and also how to generate more manifestation energy. So, you know, there's levels of this shit. It really is. And I remember like earlier on, um, in my sexual journey, definitely was just on like the basic level of just trying to understand myself and like, you know, the biology and anatomy, and then also how I related to other people. But then also on the, on the mental side um, and like social side, this idea of like using my sex for acceptance or, you know, being seen or, you know, whatever. So there's like so many, so many things that you could really like dig into so many pockets that sex can like sit in that you can explore. Um, but there is like this huge upheaval of like people who are kind of coming out of the woodwork or at least uh, shifting into enlightenment or awareness around sexuality, where now there's more emphasis on the sacredness of it and not just, you know, something to do or, you know, using it for control or using it for, you know, out of obligation or whatever. So practicing more mindfulness around how you're using your sex and also how it's uh, being projected onto other people. And I will say that like my studies in Tantra have really helped me to dive even deeper into the sacredness of sex. And even in my life right now, like I have periods where I practice abstinence uh, from partnered sex because I have to examine for myself, like, hmm, what is the purpose here? Like, why am I actually joining with these people? Is it just to scratch an itch or is it for something a lot higher to enrich myself and enrich them? Because what I know in looking at my sexuality from an astrological standpoint as well, you know, in my chart, like my sex is magic. So whether I am consciously using it or not, other people have this awareness that my sex is magic. And so they will feel attracted to me and they will come to me and wanting to join with me because they want to push through something. So they know that my sex is like a catalyst so now that I have this awareness, I'm like, oh, well, let me be more conscious in how I use my energy instead of just fucking it off. And I will say the pandemic and being locked in because a lot of my partners don't live in Chicago, you know, they're all over the world. And since I haven't been able to travel and a lot of people got, you know, we all got like stuck in our spaces. A lot of my partners got booed up. So I've been doing a lot of like self-play, but also kink play where there is no penetration involved in, in finding a lot of satisfaction out of just being able to connect with people in that way and not give so much of my sexual energy away through like, you know, penetrative sexual experiences. So it's a lot to delve into. And I feel like, you know, I've seen a hierarchy in this as well, where... <laughs> It's like you got the sacred sexuality people, right? And then you got like everybody else who's just looking at sex for however they're going to see it, right? And sometimes there's this idea that, oh, I'm better than you or we're using sex in a healthier, better way if we're focusing on the sacredness of it. I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I'm also like an intuitive psychic medium and, and I could see all the realms. I, for the love of God, I still can't understand my astrological charge. I've seen it. Trying to explain it. I don't get astrology. I'm sorry. It's like, but probably the Virgo over here does. I'm a Libra. He's a Virgo. Okay. So we, oh, we have challenges. I love y'all. Like <laughs> I, I have Libra and Virgo in my chart. I'm a, a Virgo moon and a Libra rising. And most of my best friends are Virgos and some of my best lovers are Libras. So we, I feel like we, we got some good synergy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I love to drive you insane when I do, when I'm off the fly. <laughs> well, okay. So going back about four or five years ago, um, 
you brought up to do Tantra, to take a, uh, a Tantra certification course. And I am very much, um, I'm the Scully, she's the Molder. No, yes. Yes, that's X-Files, yes. yes. I'm Molder, yes. Because I love it. I, I'm very much the science person. My degrees are in science. I want hardcore. Factual, solid. She, she wanted to do this. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let's go through it. I'm, I'm on board. Nice. And it has changed my life. It has changed the outlook. Doing Tantra um, has changed. Uh, be more aware of your body and your spirit is what yes. I would say. However, being aware of it and then also enjoying the animalistic. I know it's down here. It's still enjoyable. It's mm -hmm. just opened my spectrum to say mm -hmm. now I can go here or I can go here. And there's a range in between. And I love that journey. I love that. And that's what it is about. You know, when you do uh, start to delve into the spirituality of sex, it's just opening up your awareness and just helping you to become more mindful and connected to your body and how you flex that energy. And I love knowing that there is more, there is more than just the base level, you know, and there's all this juicy stuff in between. And I can totally be in this space of using my sex to heal myself and heal others. And I like to play in all of it, you know what I mean? And I'll be the first to also profess, like I am a kinky bitch. So kink is there too. And, <laughs> and in the communities that I've been in, there is this beautiful blend of the sacred and kink too. So using kink as a form of like cathartic therapy to like release traumas and things like that. And I will say like, I've definitely done some work with kink in that way. And it is the most, it's just the most amazing feeling to just let go, especially when I get, I'm a switch, but I really enjoy being a bottom because I'm a fucking boss in my business and I'm like always in control. So just to like let go, oh, it's the most amazing thing. And I miss, I miss being a bottom. I miss being able to play with other people regularly. Like, I just don't know when it's, um, when we're gonna get back to it. I'm hoping in a few months I can like have a, a play partner or two in the kink space, but you know, here we are. And, and that's some things that people always misinterpret in regards to, oh, you're a submissive you, or a bottom. You're just always giving away your par power and you have no control. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you misunderstand. When in our daily life, we have to control, we got to deal with family or businesses. Mm -hmm. We just want someone to take care of us. They, they just handle all the decisions. Like, here's the game plan. I'm, I consent to this, but you, you take over the show. And exactly. just enjoy. Well, the, the best way I ever told someone who said that to me, uh, because I am a switch, but I'm 90% top. Mm -hmm. It's very few people that I, that I will bottom for. And I need to know, I need to know they have the skill. But right. um, so when someone says that, the thing is, I, I turned around once and I said, so you've never gotten a massage. And they said, of course I have. I said, what do you think you're doing? You are laying down. You're, you're closing your eyes. You're surrendering your body. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, you think surrender is I give up, but the, you're surrendering. Right. And if they wanted to hurt you, they could, but yep. you're trusting them not to. That is being a bottom in a way. Oh my God. I love that example because it takes it out of the kink space into mm -hmm. something um, in the healing space. Right. And then it places people in a perspective that they can actually relate to because People don't, when civilians, <laughs> when civilians, muggles. <laughs> muggles, yeah, when, when they hear about kink, right, it's an automatic trigger because they only think whips, chains, handcuffs, black leather, and some scary person just trying to like take all your power away. But then when you can shift the perspective, uh, perception for them, and you put it in that way with a massage, it just, it makes so much sense. I'm going to start using that just, just so you know. Go oh, for no, it. Go start for it. Or the, the other one we do is hairdresser. How <laughs> much power are you giving to a hairdresser? Oh, and it's so a much. confessional too. It's a confessional. <laughs> it, it really is. Because I mean, you go and you just, because you're sitting there for it. If you're like black woman and you're getting like braids or a weave or something like that, you're sitting in a chair for at least four hours. So... You're gonna and you're trusting that off. person. You're surrendering your hair to that person that they know how to cut it, dye it, treat it. Like yep. I have thick ass Mexican hair. 
So yeah, you do. I, have, I found a specific hairdresser. I don't care if I have to drive an hour or anything because she knows how to tame my hair because yes. I've gone to other people and they've destroyed it and left me in tears. So that is like for women, if you tell them, it's like trusting a hairdresser. That's what you're doing as being a bottom. You're, you're real, you know, surrendering your hair to somebody else mm-hmm. that they oh. get right away. And they're like, oh, yes, you're right. That's right. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love those examples. I'm going to start using them because that's perfect way to like usher people into the beginnings of kink and helping them understand. Cause I think a lot of people want to experience the Dom sub dynamic, but they're just scared because of, of the images that they see. And when they can't see themselves in it, um, they feel conflicted. It's like, I have an attraction to this thing, but I really don't know if I'm going to feel safe right. in this space. So go with, people don't also realize you can revoke consent at any time. Exactly. If you say, yes, I want to try something and I don't care whether you get in, 50% in, or 98% in, and at whatever point you decide to say, I'm done. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's fine. You have every right to do that. It's so true. I remember I was playing with um, a a Dom one day and everything was all good until he started dripping wax on me before I even consented to it. And I immediately had a knee-jerk reaction and was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I didn't consent to this. This is not okay. But then he turned around and like verbally attacked me for, mm. for holding him accountable for not getting my consent first. And so I immediately stopped all the play and I like cut ties with him and didn't speak to him for like maybe two years until recently where I brought that up and he apologized to me. And I was just like, he said, well, you know, I've never really played with anybody outside of the romantic context. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what our dynamic was, romantic or not. Um, The fact that you're professing to be a dom and you're playing in this way, you know the rules. You just felt like you were entitled to my body and you could do whatever and I was gonna be down with it. No, I wasn't. I mean, that's hot wax, bro. I mean, I like wax, don't get me wrong. Um, but if we didn't talk about this before, then just don't, just don't. Okay. So consent definitely can be revoked at any time. Even if you're, even if you're not feeling violated, like let's say you agreed to go into an impact session and then you see the Dom like pulling out all these tools and you're like, hold on, wait a minute. I consent to hands, but I don't consent to any of that other stuff right there that you just pulled out. Definitely not that paddle. Definitely not that whip. So there can be uh, some nuances in how you negotiate, you know, it's like, it could be yes to the impact, but just no to the tools being used. And mm-hmm. I think it's so beautiful when the top has compassion and it's empathetic um, in, in the way of just caring about the other person um, in the situation and not just being on some damn ego trip, just trying to satisfy what they want. It's not, it's not what it's about. And I think that that's the overall perception of people who are outside of the community. They think that the Dom is someone who has just like this egotistical like trip going and they're just going to release all their stuff on the bottom. And it's like, oh no, that would be terrifying if it was that way, but it's not. <laughs> Too many CSI episodes right there. <laughs> Too many or Dexter episodes. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not it. All right. <laughs> well, we, we have this society, and, and I hate to say it, it's still out there, where people believe the guys want the sex and the women hold it almost prisoner, especially in marriage. And when it's oh offered, God. they should jump at it. And they apply that to other stuff. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I do a workshop just on negotiation. Nice. And it's empowering people to say, okay, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you here, here, whatever. I've literally had doms be like, well, I don't really like hitting whatever the breast i just don't like it I'm like well then convey it yeah but they're gonna expect it i'm like you need to talk about everything and the bottom has as much rights as the top but vice mm-hmm. versa if you're a top and the bottom's like i want to be roped up i want to be this and 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 you know th- then get the needles out and you're like yeah, i don't do needles whatever it is it's okay to go ahead and say that and say you know i'm i'm not comfortable exactly because I think sometimes there's pressure on people to like all of the things just because they're an option. 
And I tell people all the time when I'm teaching classes, I'm like, just because it's an option doesn't mean it's an option for you. So know what your boundaries are, know what you're into, you know, like in the world of kink, there's so much to explore. And it's awesome. And it's fun. Like I remember the first time I went to FetCon and I saw someone getting wrapped up in bubble wrap. I think I, I was, was there. Like, oh, yeah. we were there. We've, we've been to <laughs> the last awesome. FetCon for the last 10 years. Did you see um, where they had the vacuum suits? Like yeah. they had the PVC squares set up and someone would get in it. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And all of a sudden they like turned the vacuum on it and it went right yes. on them and they couldn't move at all. Oh my God, that turns me on so much. The idea of it, just the, the image of it, I don't know. It, it looks really freaky, but it also looks so cool. Like I want to be in that vacuum sealed packaging just to see what it's like. <laughs> I mean, I've already done um, saran wrap mummification, um, but that's like the beginning of me delving deeper into a really hard uh, kink that I have that I want to try like real mummification and then like being uh waterboated, which my dad was like, why the fuck would you want to do that? I was like, I know you're triggered because you have military training and please don't judge me. Okay. I cannot explain to you why I just want to do it. Okay. Leave me alone. Um, but yeah, I was like really amazed at the fact that, okay. So it was like the Dom was wrapping the person in bubble wrap, right? And they were doing this in the hallway. And I was like, this is cool. And then the sub was just there, just like in bliss. like. <laughs> and then there was a guy standing who was watching as a voyeur. He was totally a sadist. Like I felt his energy and he just was like smiling because um, he kept saying, kick him over, <laughs> kick him over. And I'm just sitting here like, this is dope. The fact that there is someone who wants to be wrapped up in bubble wrap in like this bond form of bondage there's someone who actually finds joy in wrapping them. And then there's someone else who finds joy in just watching the whole thing go down. And this space is literally being held for everybody to express that. And I was just like, man, I wish the world outside of here could witness this and see this and understand how beautiful it is that no matter what you're into, you know, there's a space for you and there are people who want to join with you in it. And if you're not into it, it's also cool. And you could choose to watch with consent, you know, or not. And I will say opening up my life to kink and getting uh, some coaching to guide me into the world of kink was the best decision I ever made for my life. Not just my sex life for my life, because it's helped me to just be more accepting of other things that I used to be a little more rigid and judgmental about. And I'm just like, wow, I don't know what my life would look like if I didn't embrace my kinks. I am so there with you. A um, couple of years ago, I was at a conference and I won't go through the whole story, but essentially <laughs> um, this girl had a kidnap fantasy and she vocalized it. And when, when she was done vocalizing it, there was probably a dozen of us that were just and it didn't happen and we were hoping it was going to happen this year and meet up but everything got canceled but yeah. we went kind of through the beginning of negotiation to make sure we're on the same page and it was okay oh, no no Let, let's let's promote this shit it was a midori class midori was doing this negotiation scene with this girl she was teaching us how to casually grab the information based on their likes and wants and needs of what their daily life was and what they desire so midori was walking us through but nobody took uh, took her up on her offer to be kidnapped they only mm. thought it was just for a scene. And, and the, at the end of the show of the conference, we found out she really wanted that to happen. But no one wow. like, you know, asked her because they just thought it was just for the presentation. Uh, you know what? That's interesting that you say that, because I think that some people would see a kidnapping fetish as a very hard kink. Mm -hmm. Right. And some people are uncomfortable with forms of play that in real life, when you see it, it's something that's not consented and it's very triggering, very traumatizing. And so I can see how, you know, for a class, people would be very engaged in seeing how the negotiations would go, but then actually stepping up to the plate in that in real life requires a lot of inner work 
to check in with yourself to see like, okay, do I feel safe even being in this situation? Can I maintain a space of innocence and play in this knowing that it's literally just a scene and you know, there's consent in this, or is it too triggering for me to like take myself out of like the real world implications of like being kidnapped? So I can see that. Cause there's quite a few like things that I've heard where I sit with it with myself and I ask myself, huh, would I be able to play in that way? Like, would I be able to top somebody in this or would I be able to be the bottom in this? Could I be a bystander and just watch it happen? Like what would come up for me? But I think that's also the beauty of all of this because it presents us with an opportunity to really examine where our heads are at Mm -hmm. with the things that we're presented with and to kind of like go in and do the inner work if there's like heavy judgment or like guilt or like any like ill feelings that are coming up around it because we know in this space specifically, it's play and it's fantasy that we're choosing to like then act out with full consent and awareness and, mm-hmm. you know, control. It, it can be stopped at any time. So, wow. I hope she got her fantasy fulfilled though. Well, no, that would, because that would be like nice. I said- We don't know. We haven't, we haven't spoken to her in over the, a year. Over I'm hoping year, she yeah. did. Yeah. But if she's out there and we meet her again, I am totally Yeah, we totally do. Because what happened nice. was someone brought in the luggage card and she got excited because she thought she was getting kidnapped and it wasn't for her. Oh. That's what broke my heart. I was like, oh. Wait, did she want to be put in a luggage? Like, she just wanted to be no. kidnapped. She wanted to be put in the trunk of a car and driven around, but we all flew oh. there. Oh, okay. So we're going through the whole, we can't do that, but I can blindfold you and I can hang you from a luggage cart. We just need to make sure wherever in the hotel I'm bringing you, you know, we'll, we'll go through the, we'll, we'll, we'll go through the freight elevator. We'll, we'll, we'll do some stuff. We just need Wait, to make but, sure like the hotel's not calling the police on us. Did she like, so hanging her from a luggage cart, like was she going to be bound and gagged yep. and then T- blindfolded the whole nine yards. She wanted the whole kidnapping scene like that, well, that tie, tied up on her arms in the luggage cart, blindfolded. Hers was dark. Yeah. She wanted it to eventually end up in a room. And she she wanted to do a gang rape scene. So, she was going there. Yeah, she she was going there, and I went through all the questions of, you know, have you had group sex before? Have mm-hmm. you had violent? Is there trauma I need to know about? Because those are all the things that the last thing I want to do is get arrested at a, at a convention where I'm speaking. That <laughs> never works out well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But you know, the fact that everybody was like able to hold space for that for her. And everyone had like the training and the knowledge to be able to like go through all the questions and make sure like she would feel safe. That's beautiful. Cause I don't know any other spaces in this world where someone could feel 100% innocent in expressing that and wouldn't have the cops called on them or like the psychiatric ward and just be like, this person is fucking crazy. Come get them. <laughs> like, no, at sex conventions though. <laughs> We could do this because we have the tools to be able to navigate things like that in a way that's safe. And in the end of it, it still expresses love. I know it might be difficult for some people to see how love can be in the mix of all of that when you have a really dark fantasy. But there is something within that fantasy where she feels like she can feel freedom. And I'm just like, man, to sit with that is, is beautiful to me. To be able to like shift my mind and be like, huh, all right, I can see that because in, in other situations you probably you probably couldn't. And honestly, I I would just want to be a voyeur, so I would be an accomplice in the kidnapping. Yeah, you'll be the lookout, yeah. like yeah. me. I was like, I'll I'll be the lookout. You know, I'll, I'll cover all the bases. But look, if that that I'm brings my bag ready, I'm <laughs> like, where are we going? Charles, like, all right. I'm like, if that brings joy to somebody, we could do that. I am grateful for that. Yes, I look. I'll be the lookout. I'll be the driver. I'll be the person doing the gag. Like, like I'll be the accomplice, and also that loving source to to be there for aftercare you know, and all that good stuff. But I would totally want to be there to hold space for it because I would just want to see the process and like seeing her go through her thing and just go through like the range of emotions and then just seeing what the aftermath is. That's what I'm most interested in is like, after this is all said and done, 
what does she look like? What does she feel like? Like, Did she go into subspace? See, that will be my question. It's like after that adrenaline rush, because that is an adrenaline rush from start to finish. How does your body just completely crash into subspace? You know? But the one thing I didn't get to, but I always ask is even after a scene like that, there's going to be aftercare. And I don't know whether that's you need silence or you need a certain blanket and a warm body to hold for a few hours and go to sleep. Or pizza and soda. Oh yeah, sometimes that's it. Pizza and soda, yeah. You know. Yeah, that would be interesting to know like what, what she would consider to be aftercare after such a like a hard scene, you know what I mean? Um, Man, now I just feel like I just want to, I wish I could reach out to her. Like I have so many questions. (laughs) Oh, I know it. Hopefully that will be a future episode. (laughs) I will be tuned into that because man. You know, it's one of those things growing up again, I was always taught to be respectful, Italian, Roman Catholic, all boys, Catholic high school, the whole bit. 12 years. And now I'm at a point in my life where, you know, doing that type of thing, as long as it's consensual, it's let's do it. I'm on board because I know there's so few people out there that will help them do it. Or hold space for them. There's plenty of people that'll help them do it, but we'll do it wrong. Right. And that's beautiful. The fact that like, we know as practitioners of the sexual arts that we literally have the capacity to be able to hold space for people in that way. And this world is filled with billions of people, but it's because there's billions of people doesn't mean that there are billions of opportunities for us to really express ourselves sexually the way that we want. And so when you do find the people in this world who can be like those beautiful mirrors and like create those containers for you, it is a special gift. This is why I get so pissed off at the fact that, you know, the world, like society is doing so much to try to censor us because I'm like, you don't even understand the gifts that we have and that we bring to people and the amount of, of healing and just connection that we're able to provide for people because we're holding space for the things that you people would see as crazy. You know what I mean? The stuff that I think most people think that is important isn't that's a whole long conversation that's a different conference let's talk something fun stuff like what is the pleasure academy i'm curious so um i am at the point in my career where i realized like in order for me to hold space for as many people as possible who enjoy how i teach and how i put the information out there that it's time for me to have a more like passive source for people to access curriculum on a deeper level, but also at their own pace. So because I am international um, and I have clients all over the world because I have such a broad reach, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start an academy. And so thepleasureacademy.com, I'm launching it in the month of March. And it's just going to be a space where people can come and they can access different classes and courses that they can unlock. And as long as they are a student of the academy, all of their content will be there and dripped out for them to complete whenever they're ready. Because what I've found, right, is even in doing webinars online, some people will sign up and they can't make it. But because I'm always offering a replay link, then, you know, they get the replay link and then some people will literally sit on it for a whole year and never open it. And then a year later, come writing customer service like, hey, that link that I got in this class that I did over a year ago doesn't (laughs) work anymore. How can I have access? And I'm like, "Um, so in this container and the way that we've done it, there is a limit for when you can access this. And so I was like, hmm, how can I solve this issue? And I thought about other like coaching programs that I'm a part of where I've bought them and I haven't even started yet. And the stuff is still sitting there. But the great thing is that when I go to my account, it's still there for me to access. Like there is no time limit. And so um, I want it to be more than just about sex stuff. Like it's definitely sex forward, but it's about pleasure. So there's other aspects of pleasure and uh, certain aspects of our experience that I will be teaching on as well, especially delving into like the spirit and the mind and just like perspective and just helping people remove some of those blocks that are there mentally and spiritually to help them experience more pleasure in general. And so I'm excited about it. Um, It's to set it up 
so that it can become an automated thing. It takes a lot of work with like writing the curriculum and putting the, the pieces together and the documents and the videos and stuff like that. Um, but I'm starting out with three courses that are near and dear to my heart and that I can teach like the back of my hand. And then I'll be going through the process of just creating new curriculum and putting it out there. So it solves the, the issue that I've been having around like people who want to be a part of my programs, but the time zones don't match up for like live webinars. And then it also solves that issue of people feeling like, man, I don't have the time right now, but I really need this content. So I was really surprised that it was available as a domain name. I was like, oh shit, nobody bought this yet? Cool, it's mine. Oh um, wow, that is amazing. Because <laughs> I thought for sure someone might have bought it. Thepleasureacademy.com was available and now I own it. And one thing that I also do on the back end, and I highly suggest other sex educators do this, is I invest in digital real estate through purchasing different sex-based domain names mm -hmm. and I sit on them until somebody wants to buy it or until they go up in value and then I'll put it out on the market. So I don't know if anybody else is in the digital real estate game like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now we made the mistake. We had a really good one a couple of years ago and we just didn't renew it and then came out, find out later. It's like, you know, quadruple. I was like, crap, I should have kept it. So yeah. Yep. It happens like that. Sometimes you lose a good one. And it's like, ah, next time. So investing. yeah, I'm excited about it. It, it also takes the pressure off of me. Um, feeling like I have to do so many live webinars. Like I really do enjoy uh, coaching in a group container, but I also want to know that I'm not stressing people out, you know, <laughs> like I'm not here to put more stress in your life. I want you to enjoy sex and I want you to enjoy your life and pleasure and every aspect of it without you feeling like A, it's gonna be a strain on your, on your finances and B, it's gonna be a strain on your time and your energy. So drip, drip, drip. And you know, you can go at your own pace. And so. have fun. That's the best part. It's That's all the about having fun. That's the best part. Like coming into this game, into this industry, I said, I just want to make things easy and fun for people. And I, I think I've mastered that, that energy of just being like, hey, you know what? Come on, laugh at yourself. It's all right. I understand you got some things going on, but let's just take a deep breath and let's look at how we can make this, um, make this more easily digestible and in, for you to integrate into your life and not see this as such a big hurdle. You know, I think when we approach sex as like, man, it's such a hard problem. I got to get through. It's like, then you don't feel like actually working on it. You know what I mean? Um, but, but when you can approach it with love and laughter and just kind of like with lightheart with lightheartedness and innocence, it's like, huh, wow. I, I never thought of it that way. And then just opens up just the possibilities for you to grow and expand in beautiful ways. Yeah, we often say it's like when we're children, we have a better imagination. And as an adult, we totally forget. And guess what? Yep. Sex, you have to have a vivid imagination to have fun with. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that, because the one thing I always say is like I'm helping to moisten your erotic imagination. And because what I know is like, you know, the one thing we hear all the time from people is like, how do I spice it up? How do I make, you know, and I, I what I hear is. That phrase behind that is, how do I make sex fun again? That's what I hear. Oh, yeah. No, I'm using that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do I make sex fun again? And I always go to like, you got to moisten your erotic imagination. If you're not using it, it's stale. It's like cobwebs on it. And so it's like, you know what, what Jesus said, like Yeshua, in order to go get into the kingdom, you have to become like a child again. It's literally that with literally everything when it comes to healing in order to get back to that space of of freedom you gotta return back to that space of being feeling innocent to just play and allow your mind to go there and like i remember when i was younger my teachers would get on me all the time because i'm a daydreamer i would literally just sit and look out the window and daydream but also what i realized was that it wasn't just me daydreaming i was having premonitions um so there's that, but that I never turned that off. I never allowed my imagination to die because 
when I was moving out of childhood, I was like, I don't want to grow up, but I know what's happening, but I'm going to keep the aspects of being a child that I really enjoy. And that's being playful and imaginative. And I've kept that. And I pass that on to my clients and the people who resonate with, uh, with my voice online. Growing up has so much more to do with responsibility than, oh, yes, acting, than acting old. People think yes. they can still be children, but act old. Oh, you've grown up. Look, I'm, got, <laughs> I'm going on 50 and in two weeks, I'm getting more tattoos. Uh, I'm not growing. <laughs> Look, I'm a 45 year old brat. I'm proud of it. I got that bright energy from you. I don't know why, but I just did. I felt it. Yes. Because <laughs> she irradiates it. <laughs> Oh, I love that though. Like in times when I'm like, I have a lot of heavy adulting. Cause like in my kink too, um, I'm a little, so I'm an age player and my little is three years old. And, um, when I have to do a lot of heavy adulting that triggers my little space and I'll just go lay in my bed because my bed is covered in unicorns and teddy bears. And, um, my headboard lights up. And so I turn the light on with my unicorns and I'm just like okay let's take a break right here because all the responsibilities of being an adult sometimes can be like ah! <laughs> overwhelming but then I go into my little space and then I'm reminded like you are provided for you're cared for everything's fine even though your ego is telling you your world's on fire it's actually not on fire <laughs> you're good so. <laughs> so there you go your ring pops could work on Tayomi. Oh, they absolutely would. Oh, well, I do, I do a daddy dom and I keep um, ring pops handy. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. I, I become popular with the littles. Yeah, with the littles. Him, because when we used to go to conferences and do our broadcast recordings, mm -hmm. we knew that there was a littles room. So in order to entice them to come over and do a podcast interview, we had animal crackers and ring pops. And John created this little Snoopy sign, um, hugs for ring pops. Oh my gosh. That was so. the beginning of his daddy powers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for a daddy dom. I'm out here daddy list right now. No. Um, but it's not the easiest thing to find. No. Um, yeah, my, so they know their shit. Yeah, they do. And like my little only comes out when she feels safe. But I, mm -hmm. even though I don't have a daddy, little baby has friends. Like my, my twin sister, She's always held space for my little because I've I've been a little longer than uh, before I knew what it was like. It's literally ever since I was a kid It's like three years old was that age. And I've literally um, played in this like baby role for most of my life. But my sister has always been the one to take care of her and nourish her and pay attention to her. And then she also has another friend who is like her, her human unicorn, so to speak. And, you know, my friend is always like advocating for little baby. So she'll text me and be like, how's little baby doing? And my sister will too. And so even though I don't have a daddy dom right now, I do have people who cater to the little in me that is a really big part of who I am. And it keeps her alive and it, it creates a, a balance for me. So for any littles out there that feel like you're alone because you don't have a daddy and it's like hard to find one, just know that there are other people who can hold space for you and still interact with you and meet you in your little space. And you can still express that and feel balanced and seen. Yes, definitely. We're very fortunate here in Orlando. There is a Little Scouts so it is, oh. it's kind of like a Girl Scout organization, but just for littles oh and pre-COVID, so um, but still even during COVID they did virtual play dates. So you would go to like a comic book store and see all these like adults with their, you know, uh, lunch and colorful books. books and their lunch boxes oh. and their, um, one of the girls actually has a business making pacifiers or binkies i don't know what they call them anymore um for the little so that way they have their little binky with them Aww. so yeah we're very blessed in that little or area. orlando has some dope ass shit for the sex community like we do so yeah. much down there i'm jealous because like in chicago i don't really know where to go like i just moved back to chicago two years ago and even before that 
I wasn't too like heavy on the scene in Chicago because I was always moving around and traveling and connecting with people from other places. So I'm hoping I can find a little space to interact with other littles here in Chicago mm -hmm. somewhere. We hope so too. So this has been so amazing. We've had so much fun. We are so eternally grateful that you've been on the show. How can our audience members find you? Oh gosh, okay. Social media for sure, Instagram at real Glamazon Tayomi and on Twitter at Glamazon Tayomi. Check out my blog, glamorotica101.com and its YouTube channel, youtube.com slash glamorotica101. Thepleasureacademy.com is launching soon. If you go there now, you can sign up for the email list. You will see that the page is incomplete right now, but nevertheless, if you want to sign up just so you can get alerts for when we are live, just scroll to the bottom of that page and put your email in and boom, you'll be added to that list. Um, also, Glamorotica will be having like a relaunch this summer because I'm going back to my baby for a little while. I've been just kind of like working with other entities and doing other things, traveling the world. And so I'm excited to like get back to this platform that I've built and actually expanding it and making it even bigger. But yeah, just hit me up online. And if you want to join the Cowgirl Workout Tribe, it's literally a fitness program with sex education as its foundation. And it's more than just us working out. We do monthly challenges. I also read The Way of Mastery with my clients to help them fall into a deeper love vibration. And I often upload the replays of different webinars that I do as well. So you get an extra bonus. And that's members.thecowgirlworkout.com. Check us out there. We work out Tuesday through Saturday live at between 8.30 and 9 a.m. Central Time, if you have the time. And if you don't, the replays are always uploaded to the tribe. But yep, if you don't, if you can't remember any of that, if you just put Tayomi in Google, you could find a lot of my stuff. <laughs> you will find me. <laughs> we will make sure all that information is in their show notes links. Thank you very much. We'll see you Thanks next for week. having me. Bye. Bye. Hey, John, I want to get a new toy. Okay, so let's go to Fair Villa. But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what. Well, there's Fair Villa University and their staff is very well educated and helpful. Okay, but how about if I just want to go to a party instead? Then go to their website because on their calendar they list all their events. But I don't want to spend a lot of money. Have you heard of their loyalty program? Oh yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it. That's the one. Let's go. Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fair, Fair Villa. Villa. For, for pleasure, pleasure, fun, and, and fantasy. fantasy. <laughs>